can tell us with certainty what tomorrow's weather will be like, except for the one who causes it to happen, and of course that's God. But by listening to the weather reports and by watching the sky, we can make a fairly educated guess about what tomorrow's weather will be like. Well, in the same vein, no one can tell us with certainty when the exact timing of Christ's return will be, except for the one who causes it to happen, and of course that's God. But by studying Scripture and by looking and listening to the right truth sources, again, one can make an educated guess about how close we are to the return of Jesus Christ to earth. Let's look at what Jesus himself said in Luke. So when all these things begin to happen, stand up and look up for your salvation is near. When you see all these things taking place, you can know that the kingdom of God is near. Jesus and Paul both taught that the way to wait for his return is to be watchful, to be ready, and to be sober. So let's just take a quick look at the signs. Did you know that Jesus gave specific signs? Uh, his disciples were talking to him one day, and, and he gave them very specific signs to look for before he would return to earth. And so let's just go at lightning speed tonight and go through the signs that Jesus himself gave us so we can just check them off like a checklist and see which of these signs have been fulfilled. Are we still waiting on more uh, to happen? Just where are we in this whole subject of Christ's return? So here we go. We're looking at Matthew chapter 24, beginning with verse 3 to 11. And uh, verses uh, 24, 3, 11 to 14, and verses 32 to the end of the chapter. Okay, here we go. As Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately. Tell us, they said, when will this happen? And what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? Jesus answered, watch out that no one deceives you, for many will come in my name claiming I am the Messiah and will deceive many. You will hear of wars and rumors of wars, but see to it that you are not alarmed. Such things may happen, but the end is still yet to come. Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginning of birth pains. And then you'll be handed over to be persecuted and put to death. And you'll be hated by all nations because of me. At that time, many will turn away from the faith and will betray and hate each other. And many false prophets will appear and deceive many people. And because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold but the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. Now, learn this lesson from the fig tree. As soon as its twigs get tender and its leaves come out, you know that summer is near. Even so, when you see all these things, you know that it's near, right at the door. Truly, I tell you, this generation will certainly not pass away until all these things have happened. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. 
Okay, so let's just break that down. Again, we're going at lightning speed. Let's break it down. This is what Jesus himself said to his disciples. When, when are you coming? What will the signs be? Okay, here they are, he said. So watch for them. All right, let's look at the very first one. Many will come in my name claiming I am the Messiah and will deceive many. Well, there have been too many to count haven't there? I mean, if we go back a few decades, you may remember Jim Jones in Guyana, Africa, uh, David Koresh, Sun Young Moon, the whole Scientology religion. Uh, false prophets are all over the place. Everywhere we look, we can find, it's easy to find false prophecies and people claiming that they have the truth when they really don't. Well, Jesus had a name for that. He called false prophets wolves in sheep's clothing. Now, wolves don't often attack wolves, but they do go after sheep. They bring destructive teaching and they bring lies into the church, often by telling people exactly what they want to hear. Not necessarily what they need to hear, but exactly what they want to hear. And they provide layers of truth, but they mix it up with a little bit of error. Listen to what God has to say about this. I have not sent these prophets, yet they run around claiming to speak for me. I have given them no message, yet they go on prophesying. And then let's look at Jesus' words from the book of Matthew, Matthew 7, 15. Beware of false prophets who come disguised as harmless sheep, but are really vicious wolves. The word beware means be on alert discern what's being said. Now, Sunday morning, we talked about spiritual discernment. And if you were here then, you know uh, some of those things that we need to guard ourselves. How do we be discerning? We need to know God's word so well that we guard it, that we're, we stick to it like glue so that when a false message comes along, we easily recognize it because we know the word of God so well. It's impossible to to gain a really clear picture of God's truth without studying the scriptures, without reading the scriptures. So let me encourage you, if you're not in the habit of reading your Bible consistently, let this be the year that you would try to do that. My dad told me a long time ago, he said, Susie, if you'll just read three chapters every day in the Bible and five chapters every Sunday in one year, you will have read the entire Bible. Well, I'm not so sure that God cares if you read the whole Bible in one year. He's not really on a time plan, and he's not checking you off to see how many verses you read. But he does want you to be in his word, because that's how he encourages you. And that's how he speaks to you, through his word. Well, there's a lot of false gospel in the world today. And Jesus says there will be many who have been involved in ministry in his name, and he will say, depart from me I never knew you are you aware that we have false teachers today this prophecy of Christ has been fulfilled false teachers we can just check it off the list it's been fulfilled let's go to the next item on Christ's list he says you're going to hear of wars and rumors of wars but see to it that you're not alarmed such things must happen but the end is still yet to come nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom well we're no longer in a state of rumored war anymore are we I mean, war is happening right now all around the world. 67 countries as I speak. 
are engaged in war right now. In fact, there are 719 wars happening right here, right now. Well, not here, but I mean happening as I speak around the world. 719 wars. So... This prophecy of Christ has been fulfilled. Wars. We can check it off. That's been fulfilled. Then Jesus goes on and he says there will be famines and earthquakes in various places. Well, famine is certainly prevalent in the world today, isn't it? Every 10 seconds, a child dies from hunger. Did you know that 30% of children are acutely malnourished? One in eight people worldwide don't get enough food. And each year, one million children die of hunger. The number of hungry people in the world exceeds the population of the United States, Canada, and the European Union combined. And hunger kills more people each year than malaria, AIDS, and tuberculosis combined. I think we can check it off. Famine, yes, that's been fulfilled. Jesus goes on to say, and there will be famines and earthquakes in various places. Well, let's chat about earthquakes for a moment. Who can forget December, we're going back to 2004, December 26, when that massive earthquake off the coast of Indonesia produced that monster tsunami. You remember, don't you? And it took the lives of approximately 250,000 people. And then in March 2011, another massive quake hit Japan, and it destroyed a nuclear power plant and created serious radiation problems for that nation. The U.S. Geological Survey reports that earthquakes have increased every decade for the last 50 years. Wow, coincidence? I, I, I don't think so. And in addition to the physical destruction that these earthquakes produce, they also cause all kinds of economic problems, disasters, and they set the stage for famine and for pestilence. And these natural disasters, well, they should concern us. They should get our attention because they're a sign, at least according to Matthew 24, that we need to be ready for his coming. Last year, nine United States record, recorded a total of 1,586 earthquakes of a magnitude of three or greater, 0.3 or greater. Oklahoma, where I live, received 907 earthquakes last year. <laughs> Did you know that Oklahoma is now number one? in the nation for earthquakes? I mean, we're already a haven for tornadoes. Now we have earthquakes to deal with. Why am I living in Oklahoma City? I need to live here in Fredericksburg, don't I? <laughs> Why am I still there? <laughs> I think that this prophecy of Christ has been fulfilled. Earthquakes, we can check it off. It's been fulfilled. Then he goes on and he says, you're going to be handed over to be persecuted and put to death and you'll be hated by all nations because of me. Well, we just have to mention ISIS and Hamas and it conjures up images of hatred and persecution and torture in our minds, doesn't it? The United Nations says that at least 18,802 civilians have been killed in Iraq in ISIS-related violence in the last two years with millions of others forced from their homes and thousands more held as slaves. And that's just Iraq. 
the UN monitors at least 55,047 civilian casualties as a result of the conflict between January 1st, 2014 and October 31st, 2015, again with 18,802 people killed and 36,242 wounded. Over that same period, 3.2 million people became internally displaced, including more than a million school-aged children, boys, and girls. Jesus says, you will be hated by all nations because of me. Now, more than any other time in history, Christians are hated. Christians are being persecuted. If you go to your computer and you Google what group of people are currently the most persecuted? Unequivocally, the answer will be Christians, 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 Christians. This prophecy of his has been fulfilled. Hatred and persecution of Christians, we can check it off. It's been fulfilled. Jesus then goes on to say, And at that time, many will turn away from the faith and will betray and hate each other. So let's chat about turning away from the faith. In 2013, 50,660 churches were in America. They were, they were uh, up and running. They were going. Their doors were open. They were uh, receiving members and people coming in and out and worshiping the Lord. But did you know that in 2015, a little more than 10,000 churches in America closed down, just shut their doors, just ceased to exist. The Church of England closes about 20 churches a year. This prophecy of Christ obviously has been fulfilled. I think we can check it off. Many turning away from the faith. Yes, it's been fulfilled. Jesus goes on and he says, at that time, many will turn away from the faith and they will betray and hate each other. Well, divorce is rampant, isn't it? It's, it's like a disease in our nation. In America, there's one divorce approximately every 36 seconds. That's nearly 2,400 divorces a day or 16,800 divorces a week. That's, that's just about 876,000 divorces a year just right here in America. We're seeing Christ's prophecies being fulfilled, aren't we? I think we can check it off. Betraying and hating each other. Yes, it's been fulfilled. Then Jesus goes on and he says, and this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations and then the end will come. Well, let's, take a, let's, let's just take a quick look at that phrase, preached to all nations. Nations in the Greek uh, language uh, means ethnos. And the word uh, ethnos is where we get our word ethic, ethnic. And so this tells us, it's good news, the gospel is for ethnic, every ethnic group. That's great news we can celebrate. Everyone can become a follower of Jesus. It's not just one race. It's not just one kind of person. All ethnic groups. God loves every ethnic group. And his desire is that all of us choose to follow him. But this verse is often misunderstood. In Revelation 5.9, it indicates that people from every tribe and language and people from every nation will be saved. Good, that's good news. But again, it's often 
taken out of context. You see, this verse does not mean that every single individual person who ever lives will have had the opportunity to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. What it does mean is that the gospel of Jesus Christ will be taken to every ethnic group in the world before the end comes. Now, right now, every ethnic group has access to the gospel of Christ. It's because of the Jesus film. It's because of the internet. Every ethnic group has the ability to hear or has heard the gospel. Wait a minute, Susie, wait a minute. I, I, I just think there's probably some tribe out in, in Timbuktu or wherever who really hasn't heard the gospel yet. Yes, but every ethnic group. That's what that scripture means. Every ethnic group will have the ability or will be able to hear the gospel. So taking the gospel to all nations, we can check it off. It's been fulfilled. The prophecies have been fulfilled. And guess what? The good news, Jesus is coming back. Oh, that's exciting. Are you excited? Do you really believe Jesus is coming back? Woo! Man, that is cause for celebration. But that's not the end. We, we get to be the bride of Christ. Whoa. Now let's just pause for a moment. In every wedding, uh, for the bride, one of her most cherished possessions is, of course, her wedding gown. That's what a bride thinks about in her wedding. Uh, let me show you some fun pictures of brides in their interesting wedding gowns that I found. Here's a picture of a lady who loves her pet sheep so much, she actually had her wedding dress made out of the wool from her sheep. That's pretty interesting, isn't it? <laughs> what a wedding gown. And the next picture shows a bride who loves cupcakes. I mean, she is wearing them down the aisle. Wouldn't you love to pick a piece of that off? <laughs> That's awesome. I love this next shot. Here we have a, a bride in, I don't know, a cocoon, a blanket. I don't even know how she gets down the aisle in that thing. Where are her arms? It's like, how do you walk in that thing? She's in a cocoon. Let's take a look at the next one. Oh boy, here's a bride that is on fire, literally. <laughs> she is ablaze in love for her groom. Oh my goodness, I just call this the octopus lady. <laughs> I don't even know what it means, but how in the world do you come up with an idea like that? Let's take a look at the next one. Oh, here's a bride who loves her country. <laughs> I love my country, but I don't know if I want to wear it down, my, down the wedding aisle at my wedding. And also another fun thing that a bride thinks about uh, as she's planning her wedding, of course, is the wedding cake. What's my cake going to look like? What will it taste like? What will the flavor of my cake be? Let's take a look at some of these creative pictures of fun cakes that I found. <laughs> Here's a groom who loves cheeseburgers. And so they had the wedding cake made to look like a cheeseburger. Isn't that creative? I love that. But that's actually a cake. Let's look at the next one. Oh, boy. Now, the lady on the left, the tall one, is actually a cake. Is that not amazing? A cake in an exact replica of the bride. Wow. But my question is, how do you eat that? <laughs> Do you cut off the head? <laughs> do you say, I'll take a slice of the elbow? I mean, where do you start? But you got to admit, that is really creative. Let's take a look at the next one. 
Okay, this looks like, you know what, we ran out of money, so we're going to have the kindergarten kids at church prepare our cake for us. <laughs> oh, now this one has me worried. This worries me. Cake split down the middle and a bride and groom pointing guns at each other. I'm not sure how long this wedding is going to last or even if they'll make it through the ceremony. Oh, and I love this. A cake made to look like Legos. Isn't that exciting? <laughs> let's, let's chat just for a moment about Jewish weddings in Jesus' day. Now, when, um, when a man decided he wanted to marry a, a certain young lady, of course, he would talk to his parents, and his parents would go talk to the parents of the young lady or the bride that he wanted to marry. They would make the arrangements, and then they would become betrothed. And this betrothal may last for a year. It may even last a little bit longer than a year. And during that betrothal process, the groom-to-be would be... Uh, constructing a home for him and his bride. Now, usually, that would be an added room onto the house where his, his parents lived. Or sometimes it might be a small house close to his parents. But it was in close enough proximity that the groom's dad would overlook and he would watch and uh, uh, supervise every detail of his son building on the addition or the little home that the wife and the, and the groom would live in. He would look and he would make sure that everything was perfect. If it wasn't done right, no son, you need to tear that down and start over again. He would watch and he would work meticulously on this room for the bride and the groom. And finally, when it was finished, it didn't matter what time it was, it could be even at midnight, the father would turn to the son and he would say, son, it's finished. Go get your bride. And if, if it were midnight, the son would run through the village and he would wake up the bride, his bride-to-be and people from all the village would wake up and then they'd start this giant party and it would last for seven days. Well, guess what? Your heavenly father, Jesus Christ, has been working meticulously on your forever home in heaven. Oh, he's been creating it with your exact tastes and, and likes in mind. I mean, more than what you can imagine. You, you won't get to heaven and say, you know, this is great. But, Jesus, if you'd only thought to put a skylight in there, that would have really just topped it off for me. No, it's going to be beyond what you can imagine. And it will be, oh, everything that is to your liking. I mean, you'll walk into your new home in heaven and you'll go, oh, wow, wow. He's working on your home. He has been working on your home. And I think pretty soon, Father God is going to turn to the Son, Jesus Christ. And he's going to say, Son, it is finished. Go get your bride. Guess what? We are the bride. If you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, and if you're walking with him, if you're living in the Holy Spirit, you are the bride of Christ. Now, Jesus said, I don't know the time time and day that I'm coming only God has that knowledge but there's coming a time and I believe it's soon that Jesus will return well then what happened well as we mentioned after this uh, seven day feast following the wedding in the in the Jewish 
wedding tradition, then after that, the bride and groom would live together forever. Well, how long is the tribulation that's going to happen on earth? It will be seven years. And while planet earth is experiencing this great tribulation, guess what? We'll be marrying Christ and we'll be enjoying an out of the world, yes, heavenly feast that will last for seven years. Okay, 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 wait a minute, Susie. It sounds good. Just slow down for a minute, Susie. It sounds good, but, but Susie, I'm not, I, I'm not so sure that the Christians are going to escape the tribulation. Okay, that's fine, and you can believe that. The Church of the Nazarene doesn't actually take a stance on we will go through the tribulation or we won't go through the tribulation. We don't take a stance on that. Um, we don't take a stance on there will be a rapture, there won't be a rapture. What we do take a stance on and firmly believe, as every Christian should, is that Jesus Christ will return. And the main issue is make sure your heart is ready. And so Jesus wouldn't want us to argue about are we going to be raptured before the tribulation or during the tribulation or after the tribulation. He wouldn't want us to argue about that. But may I share my own thoughts with you. Let's chat for a second about what is the tribulation. It is seven years of God's wrath being poured out upon the, uh, upon the world. Have Christians ever experienced God's wrath? I don't see it. I see Christians being disciplined by the Lord. In the Old Testament and the New Testament, uh, it, Scripture is quick to point out that God will discipline us like a loving father will discipline his children. But I don't see a time when God inflicted his wrath upon his children. I mean, we talk about the time when he destroyed the, the whole earth during the days of Noah. That was God's wrath. But what did he do? He rescued that righteous remnant out of his wrath, didn't he? And then I think of the days of Lot and the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah. When God poured out his wrath to destroy those two cities, again, he rescued that righteous remnant. And so I believe that the righteous remnant will be rescued from the tribulation and I want to be ready and I want you to be ready and so it's important that we really have a relationship with Jesus Christ right now is not the time to be compromising right now is not the time to have secret little sins or or little agendas now is the time to be just madly in love with the one who's coming for us the one who's coming for his bride to have a wedding feast and an amazing celebration well wait a minute Susie wait a minute, wait a minute. Um, what about the holocaust huh and what about uh, uh, Isis and Hamas and, and all that stuff, that's certainly persecution. Yes, that's certainly wrath. But guess what? That is the wrath and persecution of Satan working through man. That is not God persecuting Christians. That's not God working through ISIS to torture his believers. 1 Thessalonians 5.9 says we're not appointed to wrath. Let's look at it. For God did not appoint us to suffer wrath to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. So you may be here for the tribulation, but I plan to be with Jesus those seven years because I'm his bride. And I'm planning uh, to be at that wedding feast that he's planning for me. Can you imagine a wedding feast that lasts seven years? I mean, that's not just, I'll take seconds. That's, I'll take twelfths. I'll take 259ths. 
I'll take a thousand three hundred and sixty thirds. I mean, whoa, what a wedding feast. Now, again, I may be all wrong about we're going to be raptured before, or I may be all wrong, and God wouldn't want us to argue about it. I've shared with you my thoughts. Again, the bottom line is let's just make sure that our hearts are ready. Because even if we do, if I'm all wrong, and Christians do have to uh, uh, wade through the tribulation, that's okay. Because God will give us the strength that we need. Let's just make sure that our hearts are right. Now, the spirit of Antichrist is already at work within the world today. He will oppose and he will exalt himself over everything that's called God or everything that's worship so that he sets himself up in God's temple, proclaiming himself to be God. This is known as the abomination of desolation that the Bible talks about. Okay, slow down, Susie, because you have lost me now. Okay, well... Right now, there's just one thing holding the Antichrist back, and that's the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is currently restraining the Antichrist. But when the Holy Spirit is removed, Antichrist will take center stage. Well, where, where is the Holy Spirit? Where does the Holy Spirit live? The Holy Spirit lives in us. In fact, I mentioned this, uh, I think it was last Sunday. We can look at Matthew chapter 25. It's the story of the ten bridesmaids. Jesus said, the kingdom of heaven is like. And then he said this story. Ten bridesmaids, five have their lamps with oil, and five have their lamps and they don't have extra oil. The bridegroom is a lot longer coming than they think he is, and so they all go to sleep. But at midnight, the cry goes out, he's here, the bridegroom is here, get your lamps and go meet him. And the five with extra oil grab their lamps and they run out to meet the, the bridegroom. But the five who didn't bring extra oil don't have enough oil. So they run out to buy some, and by the time they get there, the door has already been shut. So Jesus calls them five wise bridesmaids and five foolish bridesmaids. Let's look at Matthew 25, 11 and 13. Later, the others also came, Lord, Lord, open the door. He replied, truly, I tell you, I don't know you. Therefore, keep watch because you do not know the day or the hour. So the Holy Spirit, all through Scripture, the Holy Spirit has been compared to oil. And so those of us who have the oil, we're on fire for God. We have a relationship with Him. The Holy Spirit is in our lives. Those are the ones who are going to heaven. You're the bride of Christ. You have the Holy Spirit in your life or the oil, you're on fire for Jesus, you are his bride. And when Christians who are filled with the Holy Spirit are taken to heaven, then the Holy Spirit will no longer be restraining the Antichrist. And hell, hell will literally break loose all across the planet. And the Antichrist will be revealed. And guess what? As we mentioned Sunday, he's not going to look mean and scary. He won't be frightening. He's going to be sophisticated and suave. He's going to be handsome and debonair. He will be dynamic and articulate. He'll be very, very intelligent. And Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. The Bible says... 
The people will believe the delusion. And apostasy will be rampant. Okay, what, what, what's apostasy? It's a falling away from the faith. Ridiculing the Christian faith. That's already happening, isn't it? And the whole world will be in such an uproar that Antichrist will rise up and he will promise peace and unity and there will be a global one world religion. We're already hearing signs of this today, aren't we? A global one world religion. We're hearing statements like, well, you may call him Jesus, I call him Allah. You may say that he's God, I call him Buddha. It's all really the same thing. We all really worship the same God. We're hearing that, aren't we? We're hearing about the global one world uh, religion. Wow. Apostasy? I think we can check it off. That has been fulfilled. Okay, so what happens next? The Antichrist is going to strike a peace deal with Israel. And he'll sign a treaty with them, promising them peace for their country. And they're going to be so tired of war that they'll easily agree. And the Antichrist will allow them to rebuild the temple. Well, why can't they do that now? Because of the Dome of the Rock. Because that's the, the Muslim temple is there. We call it the Dome of the Rock. And the Muslims won't allow the Jews to rebuild the temple. But the, but the Antichrist will be so suave and so full of Satan's power within him that he will be able to persuade the Muslims to let the Jews rebuild the temple either right next to the Dome of the Rock or where the Dome of the Rock is right now. That's, that's, that's unbelievable. How could that happen? Through the power of Satan working through this suave, sophisticated Antichrist. I have some friends, um, maybe, but I don't know, Buddy and Gay, you may know them, in the Church of the Nazarene their missionaries in Israel, Dan and Carol Ketchum. I was with them just last week. They spent some time here in the United States, and they said, we have in Israel, they say there's uh, the group of Jews have all the materials they need to construct a temporary temple that can go up in 12 hours. They're just waiting on the go-ahead. Well, Antichrist will give the go-ahead. So the temple will be rebuilt. But remember, the tribulation is seven years. After just three and a half years, Antichrist is going to break the treaty. He'll march into the temple and declare himself as God. A statue of himself will be placed on the inside the temple and all people worldwide will be commanded to worship him. This is the abomination of desolation. He'll even issue a mark. It's the mark of the beast. And no one will be able to buy or to sell without this mark. Then we have another three and a half years of tribulation. And then we come to the battle of Armageddon. Revelation 16, 17 says the kings of the whole whole world will be gathered together for the battle on the great day of the Lord God Almighty. Now the Bible tells us that armies will gather from every nation at the valley of Megiddo. We know that as the valley of Armageddon. It's also known as the Jezreel Valley. Well, it's not a big place. It's about a 35-acre mound. It's 200 feet high. It's located in northwest Israel. A lot of battles have been fought there. That's where King Saul and his sons died. Gideon defeated the Midianites there. Josiah fought and was wounded there. Israel defeated the Canaanite army there. Napoleon described this as the perfect battleground. 
Now, the battle of Armageddon will be so horrific. Get this. It will take seven months to bury the dead. And it will take seven years to clean up the mess. And Israel, guess what? <laughs> they won't have to fire a bullet. They won't have to shoot an arrow. They won't have to detonate a grenade or shoot a cannon because God himself will be their weapon. And then after that, Jesus Christ returns with who? With his bride. That's you. That's me. We get to return with Jesus. And guess what then? We get to reign with him for a thousand years on earth in absolute peace. Can you imagine what it's going to be like with Jesus? The scripture says he's going to set up his home or his headquarters on the Mount of Olives. So can you imagine what it's going to be like Jesus himself in skin, in flesh, on the earth for a thousand years and we're ruling and reigning with him. And it's a time of peace. Now, people will still be born during that time and people are always born with sin. So we're going to need to be evangelizing and bringing people to the Lord and explaining why they need a savior even though um, people are not being raped or killed. We'll still need to bring people to worship the Lord. And during that thousand year reign we're going to have our new heavenly bodies. Isn't that exciting? In other words... Yes, there will still be people on the earth that aren't Christians that somehow make it through the tribulation. And they'll still have their normal human bodies like we have now. They'll still get sick. Uh, they'll still die. They'll still need surgeries. But we, the bride, will have our heavenly bodies. Do you know what that means? It means we won't be getting sick during that thousand-year period. It means when Jesus, remember after he resurrected himself? Remember suddenly just, whoosh, he was there with the disciples. They didn't see him come through a door or pry himself through a window. And then whoosh, suddenly he was just over there. In other words, he was not restrained by any physical uh, detriment. He could think it and he was just there. Well, that's what it's going to be like us. We can wake up one morning and say, you know, I, I'd really like to talk to Jesus face to face and touch his flesh about this thing. And we can think it and we're there with Jesus Christ on the Mount of Olives. We won't be restrained by a wall. We won't be uh, restrained by sickness or by things getting us down. I, I want to be a part of that. Don't you? I want you to be a part of that. I want to make sure that you make it to heaven, that you get to be his bride, that you get to enjoy that seven-year wedding feast, and that you get to be part of the group that reigns for a thousand years with him. Well, let's continue with scripture. We began with Matthew 24. We're now at verse 14. Here we go. Remember, we began this chapter with the disciples asking Jesus, what, what will the signs be? So that we'll know, so they'll be clued in that you're coming soon. Okay, we've read through and we've discussed the signs that he's given. And so now we're in verse 14, Matthew 24, verse 14, and Christ says this. He says, and then the end will come. And then, then what? Then after all these things that Christ has just said would happen, and we've discussed them, We've seen how these signs have already been fulfilled. He could come at any moment. <laughs> We're not waiting on one more sign to be fulfilled. There is nothing holding him back. The prophecies have all been met. Now in the next few verses, it describes a horrific distress that will happen on planet earth. You can read those in your own time. Right now, let's move on to verse 32. Matthew 24, verse 32. Here we go. Now, learn this lesson 
from the fig tree. As soon as its twigs become tender and its leaves come out, you know that summer is near. Even so, when you see all these things, you know that it's near right at the door. Truly, I tell you, this generation will certainly not pass away until all these things have happened. Oh, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. Well, people have been saying that it's been the end times for the last 2,000 years. Well, that's true. But when you read what Jesus himself says about the end times, Matthew 24, which we've been discussing, also Jesus himself talks about it in Mark 13 and in Luke 21, he always refers to that fig tree coming into bloom again. Yeah, what does that mean? Well, it's referring to the nation of Israel being birthed again. Jesus says that generation will not pass before all these end time prophecies are fulfilled. What generation when Israel was reborn as a nation? We are that generation. We are that generation. Isaiah 11 and 11 and 12 and chapter 66 in Scripture asks, how can a nation be born in a day for the second time? But it happened in May 1948. The United Nations voted Israel into being a nation in one day. Jesus says, truly, I tell you, this generation will not pass away until all these things have happened. Okay, now we have to ask, well, how long is a generation? <coughs> well, Psalm 90 verse 10 says, a generation is 70 years. 80 if you're really strong, but 70 years. Okay, May 14th. 1948, when Israel became a nation again, is when the fig tree budded. Now again, if a generation is 70 years, then that means 1948 plus 70 equals what? 2018. We're getting close, aren't we? Susie, are you saying that Jesus is coming back in 2018? I can't pick a date. I can't do that. Jesus said, I don't even know. Only the Father has that knowledge. But he did say, I'm going to give you the signs. You can know the season. A farmer can't look at the sky and say at 10, 13 tonight, we're going to have a downpour. But he can look at the sky and say, it's going to rain really, really soon. So I need to take precautions and get uh, the horses in the barn. And I need to do this and I need to do that. Jesus is saying the same thing to us. I'm going to give you the signs and the prophecies. You go down the list and you check them out. And when you, when you see these being fulfilled, know. Just know that my return is imminent. I'm saying we need to be ready. I'm saying it's a fact. Christ will return. Let's look at 2 Peter 3.8. Here we go. But do not let, do not let this one fact Escape your notice, beloved, that with the Lord, one day is like a thousand years, a thousand years is like a day. Okay, did you catch the urgency in the Apostle Peter as he shares that? Beloved, don't escape this one fact. Don't let this fact uh, escape your attention. Beloved, get this, get this. Peter's so urgent that we get this. A day is like a thousand years, a thousand years is like a day with the Lord. Actually, he's quoting Psalm 94. 
90, verse 4, which says, With the Lord a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years is like a day. Okay, well, Jewish scholars, most Jewish scholars through the centuries, and rabbis, and even many evangelical Bible scholars have always taught that there are 6,000 years of history for man on the earth until Messiah sets up a new realm. Let me repeat that. Jewish rabbis and scholars through the centuries, as well as many evangelical Bible scholars and theologians, have taught that there will be 6,000 years of history of man being on the earth before the Messiah sets up a new realm. Okay, stick with me. There were six days of creation before the seventh day of rest. Let's look at Isaiah 46, verses 9 and 10. I am God. There is no one like me. I am the one true God. I am the only one who can declare the end from the beginning. What I do at the beginning describes my passion being fulfilled at the end. Okay, he says I'm God and there's no other God. What, what makes him God? <coughs> the fact that he can declare the way it ends by the very first thing that he does in the beginning. Well, at the first of our Bibles, what do we have in the beginning? We have creation. Remember, Peter says there's one thing. Don't forget it. A day with the Lord is like a thousand years. And a thousand years is like a day. Stick with me. We're going to break it down. Jewish rabbis, <laughs> Jewish scholars, <coughs> evangelical prophets... And Bible theologians, 6,000 years of history of man on earth before Messiah sets up a realm. Here we go. Let's break it down. Day one of creation. <laughs> what did God do? God separated light from darkness. Now, in the first 1,000 years of human history, the main event that happened was Adam's sin separated him from God. Adam's sin separated man from God. Never forget, a day is like a thousand years. A thousand years is like a day in God. Day two of creation, what happened? God separated the water from the land. Okay? In the second 1,000 years of human history, God flooded the earth and separated the water from the land again. Day three of creation... What came next? God created plants with all kinds of seed. In the third thousand years of human history, God told Abraham, through your seed, all humans will be blessed. Hmm. Day four of creation. What did God do on the fourth day? God put the stars in the sky. And in the four thousand years of Human history on earth, prophets started showing up and prophesying about the light of the world that would come. Never forget, a day is like a thousand years with the Lord. A thousand years is like a day. Day five of creation. What was next on God's agenda? God created every living creature. On the first day of the fifth millennium of human history, Jesus died so that we can all become new living creatures. Day six of creation. On the sixth day of creation, God told man, fill the earth, subdue it. In the last 
1,000 years, there are now 7 billion people on earth. With the Lord, a day is like a 1,000 years. And a 1,000 years is like a day. He's God. <laughs> because he can declare the end from the first thing he does at the beginning. I, I just choose to believe the Bible. <laughs> I just choose to believe the Bible. We can, we can uh, agree to disagree. Is there a rapture? Is there not a rapture? Will we escape tribulation? Will we be here during tribulation? We don't have to know the answers. What we do need to believe is Jesus is returning. <laughs> and we, you, get to be his bride. Yes. You get to celebrate forever in heaven and a thousand years on earth in a peaceful kingdom. Okay, okay, but Susie, wait a minute, wait a minute. What happened on the seventh day of creation? Well, you know what he did on the seventh day, don't you? God rested. Now, after the rapture, we'll spend seven years with God at the wedding. We're the bride. The tribulation is seven years. Let me repeat. Revelation 20 says, we come back with Jesus in the air as his bride. And again, he'll establish his throne in Jerusalem for 1,000 years. That's the last day. And we get to rest and reign with him in charge. So with creation's story and with our own calendar... We're at the end right now of the sixth day. I'm not picking the date. I can't do that. I am saying we need to be ready because it's closer than we think. Now, there's a Jewish religious calendar. If you want to, you can go to TorahCalendar.com, T-O-R-A-H, Calendar.com. And, and, and it, it, they use scripture and science and, and history and astronomy, and they blend it all together. It's a fascinating study, and you would enjoy that. And they say that the year 6,000 from creation to now actually ended in March 20th, 2015, when the solar eclipse Mark the beginning of this year, 6,001. Susie, I don't know. I'm just not sure about all this stuff. That's okay. I just want you to be ready. I just want you to be ready. But it all points to now, doesn't it? I'm ready. Come quickly, Lord Jesus. Come, come. I'm ready. I can't wait. It'd be awesome if he came before I had a chance to finish this message tonight. <laughs> just got, I'm glad we got to have supper first. Wasn't that good? <laughs> Just come quickly. Do you believe he's coming? Do you really believe? I mean, fact, he really is coming. Do you really believe that? I really believe it. He's really coming back. And you get to be his bride. Oh, my goodness. Now, Jesus is God in flesh. He's the word that became flesh. And John 1 says that. But in John 2, it talks about uh, his first sign. Do you remember that first sign? He creates heavenly wine at a Jewish wedding. Now, a Jewish wedding is, again, seven days long. The tribulation will be seven years. And Jesus says in Matthew 26, 29, I will not drink from the fruit of this vine from now on until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. So after we're raptured, when we're with Jesus, we're going to be enjoying that marriage supper that lasts for seven years. And the first thing Jesus is going to do, <laughs> he's going to serve us heavenly wine. It's going to be amazing. It's going to be heavenly wine beyond what you and I can even imagine. That's the first sign that he did. And remember, he can declare the end from what he does at the beginning. How many water pots were there? There were six. 
What is six? Six is the number of man. That's why Antichrist is six, six, six. There were six water pots. What were the water pots made out of? Well, they were earthen vessels. We have this treasure in earthen vessels. Let's look at the scripture. But we have this treasure in jars of clay. That's us. To show that this all-surpassing power is from God and is not from us. 2 Corinthians 4, 7. What did Jesus tell them to do? He said, fill them up. Fill them up. What does that mean? Well, when the times of man have been fulfilled, the next thing that we're going to know when man's time is fulfilled, we're going to be drinking heavenly wine with Jesus at the marriage celebration. Are you excited? Are you excited? Are you ready? Are you ready? Do you know that you know? When, Susie? When? I don't know. I don't know when it's going to happen. No one knows except Father God, but I believe that it's soon. I think we're getting really close. Yeah, but Susie, they've been saying that for 2,000 years. Well, they were wrong because Israel wasn't reborn as a nation until 1948. And you see, Israel becoming a nation again in 1948 was the super sign that made all the other signs click, 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 click and become in alignment all the other signs have come together in this generation after Israel became a nation again in 1948. Now, Revelation talks about a 200 million man army coming from the east. China has that many who could fight right now. As you know, they've been killing girl babies for a generation and a half, so they have an overstock of men. Well, how many of the church will be raptured? Well, probably half. Are you being judgmental? No, I'm just quoting Jesus. Remember he mentioned in Matthew 25, the kingdom of heaven is like, here are these ten bridesmaids. Half were wise, half were walking with me. They were on fire. They had the power of the Holy Spirit in them. The other five didn't. As I mentioned the other day, Billy Graham says he believes probably about half of all people who attend church regularly are really genuine Christians. I just, I just want us to be ready. I just want us to be ready. Obviously, the ones who are going to heaven are the ones who are in love with Jesus, the ones who are on fire for him, who had the Holy Spirit working in their lives. Yes. So my question is, are you in love with Jesus? Tonight, are you in love with Jesus? He is in love with you. Oh, he loves you so much that we can't even put into words how much he loves you. It is beyond what you can transcend. I mean, what you can comprehend. It, is, it transcends your comprehension is what I'm trying to say. We can't adequately describe how much God loves you. And he loves you so much that he's called you to be his bride. And he's coming back to get you his bride to take you to the perfect home that he has created for you and to give you a wedding feast that's going to last seven years. And then he's going to allow you to reign with him in peace for a thousand years. Wow, Jesus is coming back. <laughs> Man, are you ready? This is not a message of fear <gasps> This is not a message preached with anger. Sometimes when you think about a message about end times, maybe you think of someone delivering it with anger. Hey, you better get ready. Or a message that would make you frightened. No, this is a message of hope. 
This is a message of celebration. We are the bride, and your God loves you more than you can imagine. And he's coming back for you. I just want to make sure that you're ready. I'm ready. I know that I know that I know that I'm ready, not because anything I've done except ask Jesus to forgive me and follow him. All the rest has been done by him. Will you stand, please? He could come back tonight. He could come back next week. He may not come back till 2018. He may not come back till the year 3022, but he is coming back. And I think we're a lot closer than we realize. So are you ready? Do you need to be filled with the Holy Spirit? Susie, what does that mean? Well, when you become a Christian, you don't get just a little bit of Jesus. You get God the Father, Jesus the Son, and the Holy Spirit. But when we say, be filled with the Holy Spirit, what does that really mean? Didn't I get the Holy Spirit when I accepted Him? Yes, you did. So what do you mean? Am I living above? Well, you have all of God in you when you ask Him to forgive your sins, but... Most of the time, God doesn't have all of us. He has as much of us as we can think of at that moment. Yeah, I want to follow you and I want to make sure my sins are forgiven. But as we walk with him, he shows us more things. You know what? I need that and I'd like that. I really want total surrender. And when we make him Lord of our lives, then he releases the supernatural power of the Holy Spirit within us and we begin to live and walk in that power. And that's what Jesus wants for you. In that power is how you live a holy life. You can't do it in your own strength. But you can in, the, in the, the power of the Holy Spirit. So tonight, maybe you want to come and just kneel and say, Oh God, thank you. Thank you that I and your bride and that I'm going to be in a wedding feast for seven years and you're going to be serving me heavenly wine. Whoa, 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 I can't wait. Maybe you just want to come and kneel and say, Thank you. Tonight, I kneel in celebration of that. Or maybe you're just not quite sure you're ready. Then maybe you want to come and kneel and say, Jesus, I just need a blessed assurance that I really am ready. I don't want to be afraid. I want to be excited. And so I need you to give me an assurance tonight that I'm ready. If there's anything in my life that is wrong, you bring it to my mind and I'll give it to you tonight. Some of you may want to come and pray, thank you that you've forgiven my sins, but I've never really surrendered everything to you, and I know I can't live in the power of the Spirit or be on fire like the bridesmaids with the extra oil without that. So tonight I surrender all. Are you ready? Oh, God is so excited to have you as his bride. He's chosen you. That's how special you are. And I just want to make sure that you're ready. So let's sing with Jody. If you don't know it, you'll pick it up quickly. She's going to teach it to us. But let's come and pray. Let's surround the altar in prayer and in excitement that we get to be his bride. Come now if you want to pray.
uncomfortable even even there are some publishers who are changing the wording of the Bible to make it more culture friendly <laughs> the Word of God was never meant to be culture friendly Jesus went against the culture and so if 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 you've been living a casual Christian life, and tonight, if you want to move into radical obedience to the Lordship of Jesus Christ, this would be a great time for you to go ahead and come down front and, and let us pray with you. This, is, this down front is your, your rock from the storm, your shelter from the storm, your safe haven. This is where you feel God's arms of love around you. This is where you feel his warmth and his love oozing through you. This is where you hear him say, oh, I'm madly in love with you. I love you, I love you, I love you. Let's sing it again. And if you want to come, please don't hesitate. If you're watching online and you want to pray, now's the time to do it because we just want to make sure you're ready. He really is coming back. Let's sing it again. Soon and very soon See the procession The angels and the elders Round the throne At His feet I lay My crowns, my worship Soon and very soon
Salem Fields Community Church exists for one reason, and that's to reach as many people for Christ as we can reach. And that's all, really, that's all God's ever called us to do. We've been here, Gay and I, been here 21 years, and God's never changed our mission nor our heart to see every person in our community come to know Christ as their Savior. And that's, uh, you know, and to hear the message tonight, an encouraging message to know that God's coming soon. That's encouraging to us, but in some ways, for me, it breaks my heart because there's still many people out there that don't know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. I have family members that don't know him, and that troubles my heart. And so today, I just want to encourage you, if you know someone that doesn't know Jesus, pray for them and ask God, the Holy Spirit, to touch their hearts and maybe share with them or invite them to church Invite them to go online and watch, especially this new series we have coming, Identity. You know, and I'm excited. I'm really excited personally that Jesus is coming, and, and I'm really excited that all the people that have come to know Christ here at Salem Fields, but you know, statistics tell us there's still 60,000 people within six miles of this church that don't know Jesus Christ. So we got a lot of work to do if Jesus is coming. So let's work together because we do much better together. And as we can just reach one person this year, if you'll make a commitment, I'll make that commitment that we just reach one person this year for Christ, that we do all that we can just to make sure one person comes to know Jesus Christ. That'd be awesome. And the kingdom would grow and we would be fulfilling our mission. So let's pray together. Father, we thank you tonight for those who have come and those who have celebrated Lord, those who have come and they've surrendered and those who have come and may be bowed to receive you as Savior. Father, we're excited. We're excited to know, Lord, that you are coming again. And Lord, I thank you that you have commissioned this church. You have burdened our hearts as leaders to reach this community for Christ. And God, I just pray that we can come together and we can work together and we can reach one person this year in the sphere of our influence. God, will you lay that person on our hearts? And God, may we pray and fast and believe and friend and do whatever we can to see that they come to know Christ as their Lord and Savior. Now, with all of our heads bowed and all of our eyes closed tonight, maybe you're here and you didn't come up front tonight. You know, it is a crazy big step to step out, especially if you've never done it, to come up front, because these are scary people, to come up front and pray. But you want to know Jesus Christ. I mean, you're here and you're saying, wow, Jesus is coming. And, and I have the opportunity tonight to accept the invitation that Christ has offered. You see, he says that it's his will that none should perish, that all should come to know him. It's God's will. And so if you're here tonight and you've never received Christ as your personal Savior, I would like for you to pray this prayer with me. You don't have to pray it out loud. I know I say the same thing every time. Pray it sincerely. Pray it in your heart. But you can pray it out loud with all of our heads bowed. Would you pray this prayer? Jesus, 
I believe that you are the Son of God. I believe that you died on a cross for the forgiveness of my sins. Now pray this, Jesus, forgive me of my sins. And then you pray, Father, I invite you, Jesus, I invite you into my life to be my Savior. And then you say, Jesus, thank you so much for forgiving me of my sins. Thank you for being my Savior. You say, is that it? That's it. The Bible says we confess with our mouth and believe in our heart that Jesus Christ was raised from the dead. The Bible says we shall be saved. And so if you prayed that prayer tonight and you received Christ with all of our heads bowed and all of our eyes closed, and you'd like to acknowledge that before Gay and I and, and even Susie as she is watching tonight, I'm not sure, but you just want to raise your hand and say, you know what, I prayed that prayer with you tonight and I received Christ. Anybody like that tonight? Just slip your hand right up. You can put it right back down. Yes, I see your hand up front over here. Bend the back. Anyone else? Just slip your hand up, put it right back down. God bless you. Father, we thank you. For those tonight who have received Christ, those that knelt, those, Lord, that uh, prayed this prayer, Father, we pray in the name of Jesus that you will bless them. May they sense and know your presence. May the Holy Spirit steer, steer their spirit tonight. And may they just know that they know tonight that you have heard their prayer. God, we love you. We thank you for this revival. We thank you, Father, for Susie. We thank you for her heart for people, for her heart for uh, lost people, for her heart for the church, Lord. And I just pray tonight that you would wrap your loving arms around her, give her a safe journey back home tomorrow morning. Lord, be with her uh, at our next meeting. I'm sure this weekend she'll do something all over again in another town, in another state, in another church. So God, will you anoint her, bless her, give her rest and peace. Fill her heart with joy. God, may she leave this place knowing that she is loved and appreciated. And God, I just pray the days ahead will be good days for her. Keep her, Father, from illness. I pray a hedge of protection around her, the blood of Christ over her life and over every person in this church, those that are watching online, Father. May we be the church and may we reach those who do not know you by the way we live and by the way we love. We thank you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen.